I always like to ask people this, especially people that are multilingual. Let's say you're just a day-to-day and you're speaking with a lot of other Spanish-speaking people. Are you thinking in Spanish the whole time? Or do you think in English and then you translate that? It depends. So if you ask me to start going right now, uh, then I, I've been speaking English for roughly the last hour. I, I would have to kind of warm it up. I would have to think first. Um, actually, no. You know what? I can flip that switch now. But it, when we're talking about the language, then I'm thinking in English right now. So I'll do those conversions again. You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe, hit those notifications. You should know what to do already. If you guys are watching during the pre-recorded live on Monday mornings, please sound off in the in the in the chat. That helps boost us in the algorithm. I'm usually in there while I'm editing videos, so we can talk. Um, if I'm not in there though, then talk amongst yourselves. But like I said, that kind of activity tells uh, tells the algorithm that people are watching and, and engaging. Um, and then if you guys are watching during the uh, replay. Drop a comment below that uh, your favorite emoji. It doesn't even matter. If you guys are listening on Apple, give us a five-star review. That helps us more than you know. Um, you guys can send super chats during these pre-records. I just can't bring them up on screen, uh, but I will take a screenshot of it on the back end and uh, give you a shout out on social media if you guys do that. That helps support the show probably more than anything else. And uh, follow me on social media. Speaking of social media, uh, the links are in the description. Um, I'm on all the good platforms. Join the email list, list.comeonmanpod.com. I'll send you free stickers. You get 20 dating app openers that are guaranteed to capture a woman's attention in the first seven words. And you also get a free chapter of my book, Everything I Wish I Knew When I Was 18. Speaking of the book, you can get it on Amazon. If you go to books.comeonmanpod.com, you can get all the different versions on this page. This is my author's page. You can find the Audible edition there. You can find the Kindle edition, the paperback, the hardcover, and the special edition. Check out my dating course, guys. It's an online dating course where I'll teach you how to optimize your dating app profiles. On top of that, I'll also show you how to use social media to source more dates than you ever thought possible. It's a it's a fascinating program. A lot of guys have taken it already. They're getting a lot of value out of it. So check that out. Join the beer club, beer.comeonmanpod.com. It's a good group of guys. Uh, it's a very active Telegram community. And uh, we're having our second meetup on the 29th. So we not only have a very active Telegram community, but we also meet up over video calls and just have some beers, talk about guy stuff, you know? So we're having a second meetup on the 29th. So do be sure to get on in on that. You can sign up for a year now. And if you sign up for a year in advance, it comes out to be about eight bucks a month. So pretty affordable. And then if you want to work with me directly, if you go to coaching.comeonmanpod.com, that redirects you to my Gumroad page where you can just you know, sign up for the program directly. Um, but I invite you to at least go there and, and watch the video to see if working with me might be a good solution for you. And if you're still not convinced at the bottom of the page, you can book a free 30 minute call with me. So check that out. Coaching.comeonmanpod.com. All right. Joining me on the podcast, uh, today is my man, Jaron Scott. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a buff Chad looking dude. And, um, He's, a, he's an interesting guy. He lives down in Mexico. He runs a, a, a YouTube channel called Gringo Guides. So he's got a very unique 
uh, understanding of what it's like dating women in other countries. He, he's very good. It, you know, he's a good person to go to with, if you want to learn about how to learn languages, because he speaks, he speaks uh, fluent Spanish. And um, he also has a, a very fascinating way, which we get into on how he, he does the conversions from, from English to Spanish in his head. So stay tuned for that conversation. I will bring you that right after these words. Life is a journey filled with twists and turns. Why is it that essential life lessons aren't taught in school? You probably know that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, but do you know how to invest in a Roth IRA? We're not taught to build ourselves mentally, physically, and spiritually. The roadmap to success is more than just a college degree. You don't have to follow the traditional route. Success isn't confined to a classroom. It's about discovering your own path. You ever wish that someone handed you a guidebook to life when you were 18? Well, it's never too late to rewrite your story. Everything I wish I knew when I was 18. Advice for young men to create a great life for themselves. This book is your compass, guiding you to pick the right career, how to invest wisely, and how to prepare for a fulfilling future, to take control of your health and your fitness, learn how to date efficiently and find genuine desire, and master the art of leading healthy relationships. Your path is defined by the choices you make, not by others' expectations. Don't wait until you're 35 to unlock your potential. Order your copy now on Amazon. Rewrite your story. Build the life you deserve. All right, joining me on the podcast today is your classic Chad-looking dude who is also a bit of an <laughs> expert in being a passport bro. He runs a YouTube channel called Gringo Guides. It's my man, Jaron Scott. What's going on today, sir? Not too much. Just getting back from a heavier lunch than I would have liked with actually one of my coaching clients. So that's always nice. I'm located here in Mexico City, as you can likely see out the window. So lots of fine cuisine and a lot of cool people come to town, which is part of the reason I chose to live here. Justice. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a lot of I got a lot of questions about that. But uh, be yeah, let's before, do it. We get, before we get in all, all, into all that, um, I'm really glad that I was finally able to get you on my show because you were gracious enough to have me on your channel a few months back. Can you tell everyone a little bit about your background, how you got into this space and what kind of content you like to create? Yeah, I'll definitely do that. So I got into the space much like most people get into the space in terms of there's a traumatic experience and leading up to that, really, if I'm looking back in hindsight, there's probably a handful of traumatic experiences that progressively got worse until it led to this climactic event. And that was that at one point I found myself in a green card marriage. And that was odd to me because I've had a kind of up and down journey in my whole mansformation, I suppose you can call it. So I was, I'm going to yeah, write man, manformation. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm just making stuff up. No, I now. love it. No, that's yeah. From my manformation, I was, uh, I was overweight as a kid. Uh, not, not really shy. I was actually really outgoing. I was really good at school. Never got bullied or anything, but really didn't know much in the way of women. Lost a significant amount of weight. My junior going into senior year of high school actually did get a girlfriend in high school at that point. One of the better looking girls in school. Uh, maintained that relationship. We went to college together. Of course, she ended up cheating on me twice in the same week when she pledged sorority. So that was kind of my first wake up call. But at that point, I had the opportunity to come and live in Mexico and play some ball down here. And I was sent down here on a scholarship. So I did most of my undergrad in Mexico. And 
almost immediately, I'd already lost the significant amount of body fat, started lifting, started training, had dietitians and actual nutritionists and coaches and people in the gym showing me the ropes in that regard and started doing really well with women. Didn't even really try, but I think a lot of it was virtue of me being a foreigner, an athlete in good shape. And then I had an off campus big house that a bunch of other foreigners lived in. So we had really fun house parties on the weekend. So I think a lot of that was more contextual or circumstantial rather than me actually having had developed game at that point. Segue into, of course, college ends. I get the nine to five job. I start off my career, started my career off pretty well. Uh, went back to the US at that point. And then eventually, fast forward, I did a string of serial monogamous type relationships. So I did have that idea that, well, we need the wife and the kids and the white picket fence and the 2.3 kids and dog or whatever the, the hell those numbers look like. And tried to do everything right as per prescribed by society. Yep. And guys, if you're watching, I'm sure you all have stories that are somewhat adjacent to this that somewhat resonate with you. I'm sure you've heard plenty of this before. And it's really just how this narrative plays out. And so at some point, it just eventually found myself in a marriage with a girl. I was dating her for a while. She was from Colombia. She had overstayed her tourist visa. And then things just started slowly unraveling. And it's right about that time she got that legal change of status, that notification in the mail. So now fast forward, it's obvious it was a green card marriage fraud type play. So uh, I do talk about some of those topics a bit since I have lived on and off abroad for almost 20 years now. Uh, at that point, I started really getting into these type of spaces. Going back to why I was doing well at game when I was in my early 20s, starting to reverse engineer that and then understand, okay, a lot of this stuff I developed naturally. I was fun. I was outgoing. I was the life of the party. I had the social status. I had the physique. And really, I just didn't care. And I had the natural abundance. This was all before even smartphones existed. Google, Facebook, I think, came out after I was already just about out of college. So, so the game has changed quite a bit, but I reverse engineered that process, started doing really, really well. I'm a digital marketer by trade at the more corporate kind of consulting level and really just applied that model in terms of creating inbound lead demand or lead gen engines. And just the way by virtue of how my mind works, ended up doing that in the digital dating world. So very good at the lead sourcing side of things. I speak Spanish very well for a foreigner. If you check out my channel, I'm starting to do Spanish language instructional videos. I'm starting to do some more Spanish live streams on other content creators channels. So I think all of those things just being put together, I found my own personal blueprint in terms of how to run my dating life. And it's not something I necessarily wanted to put out there. I joined some private groups at the time, some paid, some free. And I just started sharing my experiences and guys noticed and they were replicable, replicable experiences to where guys would start to put some of these things I was doing in play and they started getting results. Of course, that looks different for everyone, but that's really how I I got in the space and then i've just been kind of slowly going at it for a little bit now mm, that's a lot to digest there so let me let's start off with the the last thing you said though you're getting into yep. men's groups in in general like i i think god I, I swear to god everyone i've talked to started out in some kind of men's group of, of some kind right like you've got uh you know ryan stone started out in the the reddit space i started out in a facebook group like studying game with guys and then putting date updates how important do you think it is for guys to get together like that and swap notes i think it's extremely important and 
I fancy myself, I was a bit of a nerd in school coming up, uh, still a bit academic at times. So for me, I just had to share this stuff and I didn't want to, I didn't want to arrive to false conclusions either. So I noticed that, okay, well, if I take out this thought and insert this thought and then just try that out, walk around with this new belief in my head at the forefront of my mind for the next 30 days, how does that play out in reality? And then I document everything. So I really do go through the somewhat of a scientific process there to understand what works and what doesn't work. But also, I don't like to make all of my mistakes firsthand. I'd much rather learn from other people's mistakes. So, And then also, too, when you come to a revelation, you want to share it with people. When you have those aha moments, wow, this is something I really had trouble with. And now not only do I not have trouble with it, I have the opposite problem where there's too much abundance. I have too much going on. I need to really work on putting down my phone and not checking social media because otherwise I will just be distracted, distracted by women all day. So when you have those polar opposite swings or those effects, you want to share it with people and you want to say, Hey guys, are you getting similar results or guys that are in a position I was in before and they're struggling unnecessarily? I'd rather just digitally grab their hand and lead them along and let them know, hey, this doesn't have to be a struggle. This doesn't have to be a battle. And it is really comforting too, especially if you're a guy watching and you're going through some sort of traumatic type event to realize you're not alone. This story has played out time and time again. It will play out once more time and time again in the future and that there is a whole network or camaraderie of men that are going through exactly the same thing you are. And that really helps speed things along. Uh, did you notice, this is one thing that I noticed in the, the groups I was in, that the guys that were active in the group, they were actually taking the information, going out and practicing it, reporting back, like, hey, guys, I tried X, Y, and Z. This worked for me. This didn't. Did you guys have the same experience? That sort of thing. Those guys that were active doing that stuff are, like, absolutely killing it now. And yep. then the guys that are lurkers, they just sort of come and go. They come, you know, they they might end up in a toxic relationship they come back well it ended like you guys all thought it would and i guess i got to read the material again and stuff like that have you have you noticed that same thing too i've absolutely noticed that and that's how i rose through the ranks in a couple of groups that i've been involved with in the past by doing precisely that hey i'm trying this new thing out i'm doing this experiment one that can come to mind years ago you would hear things in the space like have a well-balanced online dating profile, which yes, that does work. Have the social proof photos and the dog photos and, and doing an activity photos and a sunset or on a motorcycle or whatever. And then one year, years ago, it was actually a female coworker of mine, but she and I were kind of making a bet and she was saying something like, oh, well, I don't, I don't hang out with, I don't date out with the, or I don't go out with the F boys. I was like, well, what are you talking about? She lived in my neighborhood in San Diego is where I was at the time. I was like, what are you talking about? I see you out with F boys all the time. That's, that's all you date. You exclusively yeah. date F boys. <laughs> She's like, oh, well, no, 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 that would never work. So it was like, all right. So I made a bet with her and we, we did an AB test. I opened a douchebag version of my Tinder profile and opened a nice guy version. And the results, the results were night and day. Like once, once you have the six pack and the shirtless photos, all shirtless photos, girls just come straight to the house. And for the nice guy, it's the, well, we have to meet up for coffee first or, oh, I don't know. I need to get to know you. Or I like to take things slower. I'm looking for something serious. Same exact person, but completely different online image or brand from a marketing angle. So mm. little things like that, I want to share with people. Now, if you don't have a six pack and you don't have the guns, then maybe don't do the shirt off photos. And you have to be kind of careful with that too. You want them to be more candid type photos. If you're if you're all posing in front of the mirror, then girls are going to think, okay, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Yeah. But if but I'm if not you're, playing you're, beach, If you're at the beach and you're a surfer, yeah. like, I have a friend like that. He's a, he's a surfer dude. So he he's there like waxing his board. Like it's, it's 
you would have your shirt off at the beach. Like, so it just makes sense. And it's like someone else is taking the picture. It seems yeah, normal. And all, all my photos, I didn't realize I had a photo taken of me because if I actually pose, I, I look like I have an extra chromosome. I, I do not pose <laughs> well at all. So they're all candid photos, but yeah. little things. And that's just one of many examples. These little things that I discover or uh, years ago, I used to, I got to the point to where, uh, girls, we'd meet up on coffee dates and there was three girls in a row where we met outside the coffee shop and they said, Oh yeah, no, we're good. We can just go to your place. So I just stopped doing coffee dates. I just run them straight to the house. Now you don't, you don't, if I don't have to do coffee dates, why would I do a coffee date? But then that leads you down to another bottleneck. Girls would get to the house. And then the next week I had three in a row come to the house. And then at about the hour mark, they left. And I had actually, I actually had a surfer roommate. I was still in San Diego at this time had a surfer roommate and I asked him, Hey man, why are these girls leaving? And he said, well, let, let me take a look at your profile. And he broke it down to me. It's like, you are selling an offer. You were selling an experience. They are showing up and you were not delivering these girls. These girls are not only, they're not leaving because they don't like you. They're leaving because you disappointed them. They came over for a reason and you were failing to deliver. Okay. Mm -hmm. New thought, place that in my head. So uh, the, the next batch of girls, I remember I used to go to, uh, Sprouts in California, get a little meatloaf tray. And I believe that you had to bake it for whatever temperature was 55 minutes. So right when the girl came to the house, I'd put the meatloaf in the oven, set the timer and in my head, tick tock, tick tock. That was the clock to get the deal done. And then all of a sudden that just became part of my operating model. So these are the things that I like to share in these types of groups, because there is somewhat of a science to it. I mean, obviously there's the whole intersexual dynamics aspect of it. There's the Evo psych dynamics to it. But once you're actually out there in the field playing the game day to day, it's like, it's like an NFL game, like an NFL coach. Yeah. You have the playbook, but how well do you execute the plays? How well can you look for outside variables that maybe you haven't practiced for Are these weird fluke type scenarios. But once you get the reps in and you get it down, you realize, okay, well, pretty much this whole sequence is just copy and paste along the line. So these yeah. are the things I like to discuss in these groups. And again, that looks different for every single guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, it's funny just listening to you like talk about this stuff. Cause it, it you, when you study this stuff and you're practicing it and you see it day in and day out and you're working with guys and you see it play out in their lives, it's like, you realize that there's nothing, there's no such thing as serendipity when it comes to this nonsense, right? Like, it, and everyone likes to like the blue pill ment mentality is like, oh, it's, it's meant it's to like be, it's, it's love and blah. Fate. It's like, no, like if you break it down like a science, it works, it, it's it's like clockwork, it's absolutely mm. like clockwork. And it, it, I love to see it too, especially when it clicks in like one of my clients' eyes, it clicks and they go out and execute and they come back and they're like, dude, it worked. And I'm like, I told you, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, oh, it's fun, dude. It's so, so satisfying. Let's, um, I wanted to ask you about this. So you were talking about digital marketing. You loosely mentioned Facebook was just coming out when you graduated college. Do you, do you use primarily dating apps to source women or do you use social media? Do you use a combination of both? I use a bit of all of them now. So I think Tinder is still probably my biggest lead source in terms of sheer volume. However, the conversion rate's a bit lower just because they don't know you. There are some fake profiles there. It's not as bad in the U.S. as it is in Mexico. Here, it's still kind of at that peak of the adoption curve to where pretty much everyone's on Tinder at some point and everyone from all walks of life are on here. It's not saturated like certain markets in the U.S. where it's a bunch of bots and Snapchat uh, funnels and thirst traps or things like that. It hasn't gotten there here yet. So I'd say in terms of sheer new leads added to the top of the pipeline, 
probably Tinder just because I'm in the one of the world's most populous cities and I've got a good profile as compared to the competition. So I get a lot of matches. Now, in terms of actual conversion, I'd say it's probably a mix between all of them. I've started working more on social game, going to more kind of by invite only type events. So I'm mm. involved in the artsy fartsy kind of creative crowd. So I really like deep house and house type music. Um, on a couple of private invite lists from some of my buddies who are DJs. So there's a nice kind of upper middle class social circle there that you can get access to. So I had an event, when was it? It was Saturday. I think I converted a girl last night. I had another one scheduled for tomorrow night, but she works in the medical field and got a weird schedule. So she had to push that to Thursday. So usually after those social events, I can convert at least one or two in the following week. But maybe I only got four or five numbers the whole time. I think this last, I think this last time, maybe four, four or five uh, different contacts. So I can usually do a lot better from a conversion rate standpoint, but that's because I'm already there. I have the table. I'm with my friends. I, I go to a lot of these events. So I know half the people there. I know the wait staff. I know the, the doorman. I know the manager. I know half the DJs. In fact, when the female DJs went on first, right when she was done, she came and danced with me and a photographer came and took a bunch of pictures and blasted them all over social media. So that does a lot of my work for me. Whereas Tinder, a lot of times they think my profile is fake. So they'll come through to my Instagram and then you'll have to sometimes do a face a FaceTime or a voice. I'm starting to do more voice messages because a lot of times girls will think, well, does he speak Spanish? Okay. I'll just leave you a voice message. And then now, you know, so um, I'd say that from a lead sourcing perspective, Tinder still the top one, but in terms of overall conversion, um, I practice I, the online digital dating sourcing of leads. Social game is a much bigger one for me. Night game, not so much. When I say social game, they're usually daytime type events because I'm not a big drinker or party or not like to be out late. And then um, referral game has worked pretty well to me too, uh, for me too. So I'm in a transient city. So let's say then this happens a lot, even in the US, this has happened to me in transient or type big cities that are on the go where people are just kind of always coming and going to where, okay, you match a girl. Hey, I'm in town for a conference this week. Would love to meet some cool people to show me around. Would love to find a tour guide, whatever the hell they say on the profile. So you can usually string together a fling out of that, which is nice because you get the full girlfriend, boyfriend experience. It's got, it has a finite timeline. So you don't have to worry about, oh, well, how, how, how quickly do I pace the dates? Do, do I see her once a week, two to three times a week? Where do I want this to go? No, she's in town for three days and she wants a distraction. She's there on work. She's busy. So you can have that experience. And then when she comes back to town, whether it's quarterly, every six months, maybe sometimes a year, biannually, whenever that is, then you have, okay, here's a cool girl that I get along well with. She's taking an escape from her reality and entering your world. And it's something she looks forward to. So you, a lot of times you get the best behavior. Now, when she's gone, let's say she has girlfriends in town, or let's say that another girl from her hometown comes to town for the same thing. The referral game, and I get this from Caleb Jones, actually. Um, so I haven't been doing it long. I think it's been maybe a year, year and a half that I've been trying this. But girls will serve up their friends to you. And going back, I knew this in college because I, I remember that, that girlfriend that cheated on me when she pledged the sorority. Uh, we still hooked up every now and then, but I was kind of dating other girls. But at some point, I'd managed to make my way through her entire in, uh, intimate group of girlfriends. In fact, there was one missing the night for my graduation. I, I managed to knock the last one off. But and, and at the time, I didn't understand any of this stuff. I hadn't formally studied it. It's like, why, why is so-and-so's friends just actively pursuing me and approaching me? And, and I've made it around the, the entire circle. And then when I was in college playing ball in Guadalajara, that happened too. I'd hook up with a girl and all of a sudden her girlfriend was trying to, to get in on that. So uh, 
so that's a new one to my lead sourcing, but the uh, referral game has worked really well for me too. But I'd say definitely still, still, still digital, still online first, and then social game. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned sending voice messages. Um, by the time this, by the time this episode drops, I should I should have my online dating course out by now. And I, one of the modules in there is is using social media like Facebook and it's and uh, mm -hmm. Instagram. And what, yeah, one of the benefits of it is sending video messages and voice messages. It's almost like a virtual cold approach. Guys, too many guys mm -hmm. are texting. It sets you apart. So it's, it, it's a good thing to do. And like you said, it showcases that you speak Spanish. I mean, it showcases your voice in general and chicks actually, you know, they fall in love with their ears. So when they hear your voice, yeah. they're like, Ooh, Ooh, it's gringo. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and on, or Online is so important, especially with Instagram. So for example, certain objections I get, uh, which when you're at it long enough, girls will start to tell you their objections or you can ask them. Let's say that, okay, a girl comes over straight to the house, you hook up and afterwards, they're really candid with you, especially if you if you rock their world in the bath, bedroom, they, they get into more of their feminine and they'll tell you, hey, I almost didn't come over. Oh, well, why was that? Well, I thought your profile was fake or um, initially I had all sunglass photos. Hey, like I didn't think you were real because you didn't show your eyes. We want to see your eyes. And I have the, I have the light colored eyes down in Mexico. That's a big deal here. So they want to see your eyes mm. and, uh, okay. So I made those little, little tweaks there and then, yeah, but you still look kind of fake. So uh, contrary to popular belief, my, my last photo on my dating apps is just a muddy, blurry bathroom selfie. It's a terrible quality photo just to show, Hey, this is a real guy. These aren't all polished and professional uh, type photos and then coming through to the Instagram. Okay. No, another objection is, does he speak Spanish without a translator? Well, there's videos on me singing in Spanish. And then I do live streams periodically with uh, some of my Mexican friends down here in Spanish. I'll put links to those. And then another one is, well, do you actually live in Mexico? Are you just on vacation? So I have, I do stories all the time, beautiful sunsets from up here. I'll do a panning shot of the sunset say like, Hey, you know, home sweet home or something like that. And then put a little deep house song on it. And then I'll get inbound messages. Oh, you're in such and such neighborhood. What are you doing there? Oh, I live here. Oh, cool. Yeah. Come up, watch the sunset. Oh yeah. We can do that. When you post food. Oh, that looks good. Yeah. I'm a professional at making healthy versions of unhealthy food. Oh, you got to show me how. Yeah. Cool. Come upstairs. So it, it, it removes steps for you. It has that huge social uh, social proof factor. Mm -hmm. And then I used it initially strategically to overcome some of those objections just in a more automated fashion. Mm. I like I like all the sales terms you use. You're like lead generation and, and objections and stuff like that. Have you read uh, Jordan Belfort's uh, Straight, Straight Line? Selling? Yeah. 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 Kind of. I, I didn't real again. I didn't realize I was doing this intentionally. It's yeah. more so I, I always did well from a volume standpoint, but didn't really know why. And then it was almost exponential because yeah. I, I, tra I track everything. I know a lot of guys, there's a pro versus cons of tracking, but I'm just a nerd by nature. So I track everything, including mm -hmm. notch count. So you, so you look over the years and you say, wow, there is an exponential evolution here. What were some of the milestones along that way? And then looking back, you realize I have every single decision or logic point mapped out to where if she says this at this juncture, this is how you respond. Or if this happens, this is what you do. And yeah. once you get to that point, yeah, yeah. sometimes every now and then you'll come across, especially if you're new to this stuff, you'll come across a girl you do like. You might still maybe get some of that one-nitis that happens to the best of us, but it doesn't last months or years or even weeks for that matter. It's like, oh, that girl was cool. That's too bad. She kind of effed off. So, you know, 
a day or two later is someone else is in the mix. Like, Oh, this girl's even better. But when you, it's when you look back in, it's when, again, guys started asking me like, how are you doing this? How'd you set this up? Then where I had to go back and again, reverse engineer what I had done. So I think it's largely an effect of this. This is kind of what I do for a living in my professional life. I think mm. just by extension of that, this is how I set this up. This is likely how I would set up for whatever campaign, whatever channel we're looking at for an online digital marketing client. And that just happened to translate to my, my overall online dating strategy. Got it. But it, was, yeah. it was not intentional at first. It just ended up being that way. And then I no, no, no. But but the reason why I brought up uh, straight line selling is because I recently just finished that. And what I loved about that was he said that uh, his his when he first brought up or had the epiphany of the straight line method, he said these guys were just coming up with all these objections. Hey, we can't sell this. We have all these objections. And he's like, well, let's write them all down. And they he wrote down I think fourteen of them. He they basically condensed it into like uh, you know two or three is of you know variations of all the same thing right and then yep. he goes really what it comes down to is they don't trust you they don't trust the company and they don't like your product right and so it's like you, mm -hmm. you if you you know it doesn't matter what their bullshit objective objection is it's it's just a uh what do you say he was like it's a deflection of you know, mm -hmm. them trying to get out of it right and so he's like as long as you can overcome that and he talks about loops or whatever anyway yeah, I, I like you, to say sales shit because I'm a nerd too. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you get some of the common ones like the security objection. So, well, how do I know you're not a serial killer? That's what they use in the U.S. Um, in Mexico, they don't really have they, they they do have a couple high profile ones, but it's not a serial killer culture like the U.S. It's a kidnap culture. So down oh. here you get, well, how do I know you're not going to kidnap me? It's like, well, how do I know you're not going to kid, kidnap me? I'm better looking than you. You know, so, something goofy like that. Like, like, hey, you're going to sell me into white slavery. I'm a white guy down here. Like, we we fetch a high price. Right. You're the one that has Have to prove to me. Have you seen these eyes, baby? <laughs> yeah, I've got green eyes in Mexico. That's not very common here. So, like, how do yeah. I know you're not going to kidnap me or I do the... I was, like, I was like, yeah, I was thinking about it, but then like, I don't even have a dog because I don't want the responsibility. So, like, taking care of a human, like, nah, I'd rather not. Um Another one you get is oh, I'm not looking for a one night stand. I was like, well, they can be they can be a series of nights together, and then that, that one usually <laughs> kind of works too. Like I, I don't want a one time thing. Well, no, we can do it repeatedly. <laughs> you know that that one just and then they, they just skirt right over it. So you, yeah. you you start to develop certain lines for for certain things that and like you said, it it, it all it all funnels back up to the core categorical objections and realize okay, well this is this type of objection. This is what you say here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Um. So I, I do want to ask you this. So you're in, uh, you said you're in Mexico city, right? Yeah. I'm Mexico city. And now you also said that a lot of girls, it's a transient city. So do you, you get a, people from all over. Do you get a lot of people from the States? Do you have a lot of like, do you date a lot of local Mexican girls? Like what, what's the, I don't know, pr predominant type chicks you run into, or is it just a uh, fucking hodgepodge? Yeah. Um, there's people from all over. So there's a couple neighborhoods that have a high, population density of foreigners from the u.s so they're more gringo type neighborhoods i live in a neighborhood that it's international to a degree but not a lot of americans or english speakers more mm. so other latins there's a large jewish population in my neighborhood so you get some israelis here and uh i, I like israeli girls too they're, they're they're quite nice um a lot of french german spanish some arab girls i have some, some moroccan friends here so uh, yeah, you get people from all over the world. It's turning into like a New York City where you go to New York City. Certain neighborhoods may have more representation from certain cultures, but really it's just people from all over the damn world to where there's certain neighborhoods here where you'll see more Americans than you do in a, an American large city, which is, is funny. Uh, and um, and then in terms of who I date, uh, I'd say it's mostly Latins. 
uh, probably 50, 60% Mexican and the rest other Spanish speaking Latin. So Ar uh, I have some Argentinians in the mix. Colombians, Brazilians, Venezuelans are always my favorite. Uh, Cubans will come through every now and then. Central Americans, not so much. Mex Mexico's still pretty prejudiced. So they don't like the Central Americans here. It's really hard for them to get visas. And the ones that do come here, they're just passing through and route to the U.S. Uh, sure, you've heard that uh, it's wide open for those countries. So they're, they're just... They're, they're literally just passing through. They don't stay in town. But um, a lot of a lot of people come here, a lot of Venezuelans here, um, a lot of hmm. Venezuelans. You hear people, oh, everyone wants to go to the U.S., but remove the U.S. from the equation. And Mexico is the U.S. in Latin America. It's by far the largest economy. It's going to be one of the top 10 largest economies in the world by 2030. And so you get people that come from these socialist crap holes to where they don't want it. Why would they want to go to the U.S.? They have to learn a new language and they're not going to make that much money. And they know the high cost of living and they know the U.S. is going socialist. That's what they're trying to escape. So a lot of them are very comfortable staying in Mexico. And again, Mexico is a very diverse country. So living in a nice neighborhood in Mexico City is vastly different than living in podunk, middle of nowhere, in some not so developed state somewhere in the south or maybe in the middle of the desert, more up north. Mm, okay. I, let me let me ask you this. So now this this is more for the, these guys that have the uh, the passport bro dreams. Like you're clearly mm -hmm. not necessarily a passport bro. There, you're you're an ex expat, right? That's there's a I'd say I'm an expat. Um, yeah, yeah. I had a Sartan on my channel a couple months ago, and he defined it more along the lines of uh, he sees passport bros. And I'm loosely paraphrasing here as far yeah. as guys that can't really do too well back home says a lot of them are overweight. They go abroad. They use a geo arbitrage. So I always say earning dollars, pay in pesos. But a lot of these guys are messing around with the girls are from the lower rungs of society. A lot of them are pay for play type scenarios. Um, that was never my situation since I did go to college down here. Again, didn't realize at the time uh, when I was in school here, but I went to one of the better universities in the country. So when I open my mouth and start speaking, people are always, how'd you learn that? How do you communicate at that level? It's like, oh, I went to La Torma de Guadalajara. And they're like, oh, wow, oh, wow, that's a good school. And that is that has impacted my thought processes. Again, didn't realize that at the time. So that gives me access to more of your upper middle class girls. You're still high, highest tier girls. So your models, your actresses at a large level, those girls will come down and maybe have a have some fun or a fling with a guy like me, but you're not going to lock them down. Like they'll date their own politicians. They'll date their own professional athletes, their own singers, their own famous people. Why would they screw around with a gringo? So you can have temporary access to them, but usually I date more of the middle or upper middle class uh, type girls. And that's a nice place to be where I think a lot of times, and I, I, I meet gringos here all the time. They'll see me on the channel. They'll reach out and get a beer and they, they can barely speak Spanish. And it's not only, it's one thing to speak Spanish. It's the other thing to learn to navigate the culture. So mm. when saying guys get this all the time, oh, she's flaking. She must not be interested. It's like, no, no, no. They work really long hours down here for really low wages. If it's at the end of the month, it's called Sierra del Mace. Everyone is working 12 to 14 hours at the office. It's very likely she's going to flake. Just expect that. That's the way it goes. If it's a holiday weekend, there's a good chance that her second cousin somewhere extended relative is going to offer a trip to the beach for the weekend. And on short notice, the whole family has to pack the car and drive out. And guess what? She had plans with you as a foreigner. She's never met that she met on a dating app. She's not going to miss that family vacation. So there, so there's the linguistic element. But there's also the cultural element to, to manage too. So I think that's where a lot of guys get, get hung up or poor guys. And I, I agree with Sartain on this point to where if you don't have game in the U S so you don't know you're necessarily getting swindled, then you can come down here and find yourself in a very bad situation. And I mentioned that I'd somehow I was in the U S found myself in a green card marriage, but I've also been on the other side of the equation where I'm seeing a girl 
comes over straight to the house. We have a good time. And then her phone's blowing up. Like, oh, who the hell's that? Like, like I don't ever ask who the hell's that. I, I usually ask, hey do, you, do, hey, do you have to get home at a certain time? Because a lot of people live with their parents here until they're married. Hey, do you have to get home at a certain time? If so, I don't want to keep you or anything. And that's kind of me subtly hinting, like, you can leave. Get the fuck out. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I've, had, I've had girls just straight up tell me, oh, no, it's my boyfriend. He's this gringo guy from San Francisco. And I realized this guy has no idea. No clue. Yeah. This is me, completely oblivious. And if you're not careful, if you don't have game back home, then what makes you think you're going to come to a new country where you don't speak the language and you don't know the culture and there's a lot of gringos down here and they see a lot of us as walking ATMs or dollar signs in a lot of instances, there's a good chance you may be taken. And on Sartain's show, a lot of people argued with me, argued with me on this in the comments. Oh, well, yeah, well uh, military men have been doing it for years. Like military men are a perfect example. Those guys get taken all the goddamn time. I, I'm a former military guy. Like, I saw it firsthand. Yeah, don't get a girlfriend. Time. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, I it never luckily it never happened to me because uh, I was dumb and I married a, a, a white girl in the states who. <laughs> That's not much better. It, it took about fourteen <laughs> years, but she swindled me later. No, no, but uh, mm. but no, it happens all the time in the military, and that's why, like. Man, I, I wanted to ask you about this and you already brought up like most of the things I was going to, I was going to ask you about, but I know man, I can look, get wordy. <laughs> no, no, it's great. No, I love it. Actually. I love it when I have all these bullet points and then we go off on a completely different tangent. Cause I, I, I like guests like that, but it just makes my job easier, but it is easier. No, I like the long form dialogue too. Like the Joe Rogan no, style. Yeah. For sure. record let it flow let it, let it yeah, go yeah let's just see where we'll this bring conversation back goes yeah. but but yeah i mean honestly like i i get why some of these guys want to be passport bros they think all the uh, all the the american girls are broken all the girls in the west are broken i'm gonna go overseas and find myself a wifey and it's like dude have you ever even been overseas because there's so many girls that are looking for a free ticket back to the united states and Guys that go there and don't speak the fucking language, they just think they're they got this pie in the sky attitude. And oh no, no, she really likes me for me. No, dude, no, they're even worse than the chicks in America. Like, you know, like they they literally yep. want to use you for everything, bring you back, get in a marriage, and then fucking swindle your ass like that. That there's so many of them like that. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, do do you get guys like that that end up? following your channel and you're trying to maybe set them straight have you ever got guys go oh i never thought about that like maybe i should rethink this or i wouldn't say necessarily guys that follow my channel there's guys in my social group here so most of these major broad cities we have our local little game networks we have our private whatsapp groups telegram groups whatever guys come and go hey man i'm going to peru for a couple months it was nice being in, in mexico city hit you up and i'm home or hey i'm going to argentina oh how is argentina so we kind of have those types of conversations but there are guys that pop up maybe once or twice a year from the U.S. and they'll come down and all of a sudden, hey, you know, it's been six, seven, eight months since we last saw you. How you doing? Oh, I have a girlfriend in Mexico City now. What are you talking about? You didn't have a girlfriend last time we saw you. Oh, yeah, I was kind of seeing her and we hooked up and then I've been sending her money from New York. Like, no, no, don't do that because she's riding <laughs> through houses of guys like me and I, I, I don't know. It's not like she's going to tell me. Yeah, I've got three gringos that are wiring me money down there and and I've had that happen a lot where the guys say something like, oh, yeah, my dad, my family's opposed to it or my brother got on my ass for it. It's like, well, now we're going to get on your ass for it. You don't send money to chicks abroad. Either you come down here and make a go at it. You don't import them to the U.S. I've been there. I've done that. Don't do that. And mm -hmm. uh, and you avoid a lot of the, these types of things. But they're the types of guys, again, where you realize 
in, in my little social group here, we all do pretty well game wise. So they're guys that are not only game aware, but they have success at it to where we're just like, Oh no, like what, what are you doing? Just don't do this because to this type of guy, maybe single digit lay count. And I know uh, there's a lot of people in this space that say that's not the end all be all metric, but guess what? When you have more reps, you kind of know to start to look for these things. You recognize patterns and these things just don't happen to you anymore. Whereas someone who's maybe a little more inexperienced, he has no idea what's actually going on potentially on the back end. Now that's not saying in, in the example of any of these guys I'm bringing up that that's necessarily what their girls are doing, but I mean, just knowing kind of how women are, they're usually not loyal to these types of guys. Let's just mm-hmm. say that. Yeah. It will, especially not girls in the South of the border, right? <laughs> you know, it, like mm-hmm. a lot of the, a lot of, uh, you know, countries where there's, you know, there's a lot of poverty. Like you said that there's a big economy there in, in Mexico, but there are still, there's still a lot of people that are like super, you know, yeah. living in huts and shit. Um, it, it's like, that's just, of course. Why the fuck wouldn't they do that? You, they have a dumbass oh, guy yeah. that's willing to send them money. Yeah. Why, why the fuck wouldn't they like, Oh, yeah, and, and, and personally, uh, no one ever talks about this anywhere in the space, but there is a whole class element to game. Um, more so in Mexico, in the U.S. The U.S., I think we still have social mobility. It's becoming a little harder, but Mexico has always been a classist society, going back to the Spanish caste system. It's mm. also based largely along race in Mexico, too, which, again, these are not popular topics, but I have a couple of black friends down here. It is much harder for them dating-wise than it is for guys like me. In fact, I envy them sometimes because a lot of really? girls have the black guy fantasy. They'll slide through and get smashed out by these guys, but they don't want to introduce you to mom and dad or take you to weddings. Whereas for guys like me, it's like, oh, come to a wedding. Come meet the family. It's like, I don't, I don't want to meet your family. Like, we're no, that's actually, actually, actually it's, it's fascinating that you bring that up because, you know, not to – not to get all racist here, but, but, but there are, there does seem to be a lot of guys, a lot of black guys um, that they sort of have this passport pro fantasy. I see it. I almost see it predominantly in the, the black red pill community where they're like, Oh, that that's it. All the chicks here are broken, especially because I think, you know, honestly, the black community in America, I mean, they're like what, 10, 10 years ahead of us when it comes to, you know, what's happening in society. And uh, so it's like they, all they socially our, all... experiment on the black community and then, then they, they, they release it mainstream on the white community. Yeah. And so all these guys are like, all of our, all of our girls are broken here. Fuck it. We're going to be passport bros. And it's like, so you're saying that when, when, if these guys happen to decide to be passport bros in Mexico, it might not work out for them. Not saying it won't work out. Um, they, they, they might get, yeah. I mean, they, they, they will get laid. Um, and a okay. lot of you have, happy, healthy, long-term relationships. I'm just saying that a lot of times it's a little bit harder. Attitudes are definitely changing though. So I make the the comparison that I lived down here roughly 20 years ago and had a college experience. And then now I'm more of a kind of mature adult having an experience in the modern world with all the technology and all the foreigners here that Mexico used to not have all these foreigners here like they did, like they did before. So I think that's oh, okay. things too, where even me personally, I don't have the novelty factor like I did before. Oh my God. Ooh, light skin and green eyes. Oh, that's so awesome. They're just like, Oh, another fucking gringo. Like, God oh, damn it. Like, but why are you hitting on me? I'm walking to work. Like, Oh yeah. Okay. Have a nice day. Is it different in different parts of Mexico? Cause I mean, certainly oh, yeah. like you're in Mexico city. That's a, a big touristy place. You go to, you know, mm. Cabo or Puerto Vallarta or you know, all those places are touristy locations. Those are all what party about, cities. Yeah. Yeah. What, like what if you go, to a, a city that's not traditionally most people go to it's usually just local people is it told a different experience there 
I have a much easier time in those cities. Yeah, not, okay. night and day difference. It's way easier because again, you you have that novelty factor now, or you don't look like the people there, but being able to open your mouth and speak the language, they they they'll see guys like us on TV. They'll follow us on social media. Maybe when they come to big cities like Mexico City, they'll see us out and about. Maybe they know a little bit of English from high school. If they went to college, a lot of times they're required to learn it, but they don't speak it at a proficient level. They just pass the damn test and then forget about it. So they have these. So they they've had limited experience with with foreigners. But when you can speak with them, then they'll pick your brain. Oh, what do you think about this? What's going on in the U.S.? Like, why are there so many school shootings? What's the whole Trump thing going on? Did Biden really win the election? They'll ask you these things. And they're really mm. curious about your insight. Whereas if you're just some drunk tourist mm. in Cancun, yeah, girls girls here, even from quote unquote decent ones from the city, they'll go to Cancun and they'll hook up with foreigners. But it's kind of like, you know, the girls trip to Vegas. That's an international universal type thing. But it's not like they're having in-depth conversations or they're building any sort of multiple dimensions to a relationship. It's all kind of surface level. So when I go to less populated, probably less touristed areas, I do much, much better in those areas. Considerably better. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is fascinating. Let's, let's change gears here a little bit. So Mm -hmm. obviously uh, we talked about this a lot so far and your YouTube channel focuses more on dating lifestyle in Mexico, but your Instagram, you have some saved stories where you were sort of passport <clears throat> broing in, in Europe. Yeah. A little bit, a, a little bit, a little in Europe. A little so, bit. <laughs> tell us about that trip. Like you just did, went there last year, right? You went to Europe. Um, and then yeah, and when... it, I was oh, going to go, ask, go where, where, where did you find the best girls in Europe? Yeah, so I've, I've done a couple Europe trips. Um, this trip actually wasn't more of a passport bros type trip. Um, I do backpacking trips with my brother every now and then. So mm-hmm. we used to do them in college all the time. Uh, he was in the armed forces for a while, um, actually suffered an, a training accident in the Marine Corps, almost died. And then since he he's, he's good now, but we, he realized he had to get some organ transplants. So we realized that he's kind of on, he may or may not be on borrowed time. So we try to really, anytime both of our schedules permit, just whether we have the money or the time or not, just fucking make it happen and make sure that we really have these experiences together. So it was more so me traveling with my brother since we hadn't done that in a while. Um, we this time around, we did Italy, Greece, Israel, France, England. So so it's a pretty quick trip. Um, Israel in- not Europe. <laughs> Yeah, it's a li- little bit of the Middle East. It was like a okay. what, two and a okay. half, three hour flight from Greece, whatever it was. But yeah. um, in terms of girls, I'd probably, I'd say like the Italian girls the best. Um, mm. Or no, no, no. I like the Israeli girls the best. But the Israeli girls like the Americans the best. So Italian girls were beautiful and they were fun. And okay. being able to speak Spanish, there's a high degree of mutual intelligibility. So that's the uh, equivalencies or similarities between languages. The way I learned actually Spanish from English is I, I determined what is mutually intelligible and created conversion tables in my head. So within one week, it's like, oh, I have 45% of the language just already knowing English by virtue of doing that. Didn't have to study grammar, memorize anything. That's a stupid way to learn language. So I did the same thing going from Spanish to Italy. Like, okay, it's roughly, what is it? 60, 70, 80% mutual intelligibility. And tonight to my ear, my ear can pick it up. Now I can't speak it back, but if they speak slow enough, we can, and I, and I reply to them in Spanish slow enough, we can have conversations. So Italy was really funny because almost immediately you'd get indicators of interest and they just stare at you. And then you'd come up to him like, hey, you know, Jaron, how's it going? And then they they look at you like they like uh, they saw a ghost almost. So I know stereotypically Italy, if you remember old SNL, like the uh, the Italian guys would always uh, hit on the chicks and then, uh, oh, mi amore, like whatever. Uh, yeah. So the old stereotype was that Italian guys were really forward. But 
I didn't experience that at all. I think they were they were almost taken aback by the American guys being forward. Like, hey, you're staring at me. I'm going to come and introduce myself to you. And then, ooh, um, <laughs> Greece, Greece, the, the girl, the girls were getting nice looking in Greece too, but uh, didn't have as much luck there. And then in Israel, the the women absolutely loved us. I, I think probably some of the hottest girls on the planet are Israeli girls. And um, and, but one thing to notice too is that uh, so I have my whole game sequence set for Mexico little variables along the way change in each country. So in Italy, for example, I made the mistake of we went out in Florence one night. I was flirting with one of the bartenders. She actually spoke Spanish. So I was flirting with her in Spanish. She The bar closed pretty late. So it was like 4 a.m. It's like, hey, I'm off. I'll come to your place. And my brother lived way the hell outside of town. It's like, all right, let me get you an Uber. No, no Lyft, no Uber. Okay, cool. Let me get you a taxi. No taxis at that time. So we looked on it. It would be equivalent of like a four-mile walk for me to go down the hill and then get her and then trek her back up the hill. And she had to work at some point in the later in the, the following morning too. She's like, Oh yeah, let's just do it next time. Well, I was only in Florence for a couple of days. Then it was time for me to leave. So that was really rough. Um, I think Rome, we had, we had a couple of same night pickups in Rome, but we, but we met a guy through one of my private groups. He was a, an Italian actor. So he gained us access, which is a huge one too. that whole social game thing. So yeah, my brother and I were kind of hanging out in Rome, talking to girls, you know, got, got, got some numbers, got some flirtations, didn't really date. Cause we, we were doing the touristy thing too. The, the getting laid was not the primary objective on this trip. Uh, but we ran into a buddy. Hey, hey, I know this guy. He's, you know, found me on YouTube on so-and-so's channel and uh, let's go out and get a beer with him. And then, oh yeah, he's some, he's into the Italian kind of artsy type scene. So invited us to a private event. And then we, we all had a very good time that night. So there's a whole access factor. Um, Greece, we, we just went to Mykonos for a couple of days. Same thing. That was kind of party city. I'm not a big partier. Uh, mm-hmm. so not really kind of my scene. And uh, I just kind of kept it chill though. The island was beautiful. So I spent a lot of the time catching sunsets and trying to find good shots photography wise. We did meet a couple of German girls that we uh, we spent a night with at some point, but it was real, re- real pretty. We went out in London and had a real nice dinner and watched the sunset. And then we danced and like that, th- those kind of experiences. Um, and then Israel was real fun too. We spent a little longer time there. So we were able to figure out the sequence. So in Israel, the girls will hook up on the first date, but in my experience, they won't enthusiastically come straight to the house. You have to go and get a drink first, usually after one, two, three drinks max, then they'll be ready to go. So uh, mm. so different in every culture and different country. Yeah, it's the same process, but the order of operations and the pacing and the certain little juncture points to where, okay, well, if I, if I say this in Mexico, it gets me here, but in Israel, it's a dead end. So you have to recalibrate that. And I've noticed when I've lived or stayed in foreign countries for an extended amount of time, Usually it takes me a few days up to a week to start getting that initial conversion. And then it takes two or three weeks to where I can start to kind of see the rhythm, see the routine, and then start to codify the process. Got it. Okay. Uh, what was the term you used when languages are similar? What was that? Mutual intelligibility. Mutual intelligibility. I think we, if I remember correctly, I think we talked about this when I was on your channel, but I, 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 my only experience in, in Europe, um, I went to England last year. I don't really look at England like it's Europe, though, even though I guess technically is. But yeah, I've, you know, I feel like it's an extension of the U.S. because you open your mouth yeah. and everyone understands you perfectly. Although right. there's a they, lot they of immigrants in England, too. They give you the glare. Like, what are you doing here? Like, yeah. I'm yeah, they, more English they than you are. They, they don't count. But mm-hmm. but before that, I was uh, I was in the Navy. And I, I once got stranded in Sigonella, Sicily, and it's one of those places where they don't speak English there, right? You go to like a, you go to 
Mexico City, I'm sure like at pretty much everyone like in in the major restaurants, they all speak at least broken in English. In the service hospitality tourism yeah. industry, most regular people don't. And a lot of gringos make that mistake and it pisses yeah. a lot of locals off. They but okay, they say something in English, a person doesn't understand them. So they talk louder and faster, which is yeah. a great way to not make friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so when I went when I was stranded in, in Sicily, like nobody spoke English. And so it was a lot like I I did take rudimentary french when i was in junior high and so i was like oh shit how do you say this in french because i knew that they were similar languages and so mm -hmm. i i would just I, I would say it in french and then they would you know i'd say it slow in french and uh they would say oh you know like oh it's a fromaggio mm -hmm. or whatever like i'd say fromage oh fromaggio okay so then I, mm -hmm. and then there was a lot of pointing <laughs> at shit. Now, I mean, now you could almost get Google, by translate. With Google translate, you know, but, and but a lot still, of people like, use that. Yeah. Back, back then that was before cell phones and fucking really before Google. There was Google translates still not that good though. Uh, yeah. I have a, I, I have a roommate here and he's had some really funny stories. So there was yeah. a night he came out with a girl. He's like, I think I offended her. I was like, what'd you say? He's like, He's like, well, I was trying to dirty talk her, and I tried to tell her, "You're my little whore." I'm like, I'm like, did you? How'd you say that? He's like, well, I put it in Google Translate. It's like, show me what it showed on the screen, and Google Translate just said, "You're a whore." Ah! Like, gotta be <laughs> gotta be careful with that. So, I, a lot of times, uh, he'll, he'll have it on the screen. And he's trying to read it, and I'm standing there. I was like, what are you saying? He's like, well, Google Translate says this. Like, no, no one says that. That is nonsensical. Don't pay attention yeah. to it. So. It is very good in a place where you know no language at all. Same thing. I go to France. Like, well, why don't you speak French? It's like I've been in France for less than ten days collectively in my entire life. Now, if I were to live there, I would definitely make a go at it and get it down. But if I if I'm in country for eighteen to thirty six hours, like not not gonna sorry, not gonna make the effort to like just fly in for a conference and then get right out. Yeah, my my experience with Google Translate. I have a friend. He, he tunes into the podcast periodically he, he's one of the guys that like came up with me in, in the men's group i came out of and uh he lives in chile and so he 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 always points out to me how like mexican spanish is different than chilean spanish and you know mm. they're they have different you know it's slang terms and stuff kind of yeah. it. and so every, every once in a while he'll he'll say something to me in spanish i have no idea what the fuck he's saying he, he'll type it out in a text message so i'll copy it and i'll paste it into google translate get the gist of it and then i'll re reply mm. something back and translate it back to him. And he laughs at me. He's like, that's not how you're supposed to say that. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. dude, I don't fucking know, man. Well, I don't know. It tries to, it tries to take it literally. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. I'm sure yeah. it's trying to use like proper Spanish from Spain. Fuck. Yeah. Well, it still doesn't know things like, so if you say, if you say like, I'm hot, then it'll translate like, estoy caliente. Well, that means I'm horny. That means I'm horny. If you say I'm hot, it's, it's tengo calor, which means I have heat. <laughs> which doesn't make sense in English, but that's how you say it in Spanish. So yeah, there's a way to say it and there's a way to where it's understood right. by the recipient and Google translate still it's getting better, but it doesn't account for that all the way. Um, or going back to the mutual intelligibility thing. So an yeah. example of that is any word in English that ends in T I O N. So like education, information, foundation in yeah. Spanish, same prefix. Cause they're all Latin rooted. Uh, yeah. It goes to C I apostrophe of the O because it, you have to. It's a phonetic language. So Spanish, the apostrophes tell you what emphasis to put on the uh, the vowels. Uh, C I apostrophe over the O or O aguda uh, N, and that's Sion. 
So informa information, information, education, education, foundation, fundacion. Congratulations. You now have a couple of thousand Spanish words in your vocabulary. You didn't even have to open a book. So I built 30 some odd conversion tables like that in my head. Um, certain things like uh, TY at the end of English goes to DAD in Spanish. So electricity, electricidad, um, eccentricity, eccentricidad. Um, so guess what? You have a couple more hundred words and then there's, there's a lot of those. So once you get those kind of locked down, the grammar is a whole different beast. You have to memorize that. But uh, for vocabulary, you make some of those rules like, all right, well, now I have like half, half the language down. Two yeah. where I have girls here ask me, I show, I show my girls how to, they, they, my girls speak English very quickly. So uh, that, that's one of the benefits of dating me, I suppose. And they get really excited about it. But I tell them, imagine that you have a hundred piece puzzle and with these tricks, okay, you, you'll maybe get 40, 50 pieces of the puzzle. You don't have the clear image, but you, you pretty much know what the picture is. Whereas for me, if, if you were to do the same like Swahili, like maybe they had, maybe they borrow an English word. I get two pieces of the puzzle. Like I, I don't know what the hell I'm looking at image wise. So yeah. So I think that's that's where I that's where I that's what I mean when I say mutual intelligibility in terms of okay, there's a hundred piece puzzle. How many pieces can you put together based on what you already know and by converting those similarities between the languages and then you just kind of fill in the gaps. But that gives you a good starting point. No, that's genius actually. Because uh, I. My other experiences in other countries when I was in the Navy, like I, I, we would go down to Mexico a lot. I, before I turned 21, I used to spend a shitload of time in Tijuana. And I lived in San Diego. Tijuana's fun. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but you go down to some of those places and they don't speak English down there too. So, like, I would go down to some places and it's like I would learn, you know, I would know, uh, I would, I wanted to know where the bathroom was. So I would just look confused and go, Banos. And then yep. uh, if I wanted a beer, it was like, cerveza por favor like I, that, that's all i needed i got around i got really? around yep. yeah <laughs> and i always tell people too do this in your native language um i'm assuming yeah. if you're watching this you probably speak english to a certain degree that maybe it's not necessarily your native language but uh, a lot of people from uh india watching the show honestly but yeah i get a, i get a lot of people from other countries that, that follow my stuff too um a, a good yeah. amount of them and uh but take an audit of the language you use in a day and you'll realize most of your interactions are exactly the same hey how's it going today oh good how's your day going oh great hey do you want anything else nope that'll be it okay that's 2341 is that cash or credit no one takes cash anymore oh is it credit is it us visa or debit debt these are all sequences. So you'll realize if you really audit your day-to-day -day interactions, most of your conversations are exactly the same and you use a very limited amount of vocabulary, which they teach this to Chinese businessmen. They call it Chinese simplified English. It, they have, what is it, like 30, 60, 90 day, whatever it is, accelerated English learning programs. They're not teaching them the entire English language. It's just how to, what I call, navigate the cultural landscape. And like you said, you, you need very little. If you're if you're at a tourist resort and you're on vacation, it's spring break and you just say cerveza, they're going to know you, guy probably wants a beer. Like yeah. after you've had eight beers, Banyo, like, oh yeah, he probably has to piss. He just had eight cervezas. <laughs> you know, yeah. they can figure it out. Yeah, they're not stupid. They don't. <laughs> they know what this dumb drunk Americans fucking do. <laughs> and, and a lot of them, a lot of them are actually required to speak English at a certain level of proficiency for yeah. those types of jobs. I, I just had a gal pal. She moved to Puerto Vallarta and she came back last week and she's like, oh, I went out there and I feel like a failure, but um, she was doing real estate sales. She's like, yeah, it was like, how'd it go? It's like pretty good, except I don't speak English and there's no room for real estate salespeople in, in, on the coast if you don't speak English. I'm like, yeah, you should have thought about that before you left. It's like, yeah. You've been seeing me. You could have asked me. I would have given you these conversions and at least kind of gotten you a little the way there. But yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of them, they're required to to speak English to, to a degree. 
that's fascinating. You know, uh, you know who else is really fucking good at teaching uh, language quickly are the Mormons. The Mormons. Oh yeah, for their missions. Uh-huh. Yeah, like they, uh, they, they. I wonder if they just basically follow a, your method or something like that. Where I think they, they just... do something similar. I, I know some yeah. polyglots that are like, your Europeans know a bunch of languages because they're for. I mean, you you drive across it would be the state of Texas. You have thirty eight different languages in most parts of the world. So that. People say that Americans don't speak uh, other languages like we don't have to. And we have a massive geographical landscape to where you can drive for days and it's the same language. Mm-hmm. You span that same distance anywhere else on the globe. There's multiple languages. So English is kind of the uh, the all encompassing one. But yeah, and I have some polyglot friends. And when they talk to me about their their rapid language acquisition models, it, it's largely kind of uh, similar to, to the method I employed for myself. Mm, got it, man. This That's that's really fascinating. I I, I, don't, I always have like a mental block when it comes to learning new languages, but now that the way you break it down, I'm like, well, fuck, maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll go put the Duolingo app on my phone if I can try it again. We'll, well see. And here's one too uh, for language yeah. acquisition. A lot of people they know a lot more than they realize they do. They get up in their mm-hmm. head because you feel kind of dumb. You don't feel like yourself. It, whereas in English, anything that comes to my mind, my friends here, foreign friends here tell me that all the time. Well, I can say anything I want in English without really thinking about it. But in Spanish, I feel like a three-year-old or a four-year-old because of the the limited vocabulary. And then all of a sudden they get a few beers in them and, and they're like, oh, I, I can speak it now. It's like, well, yeah, it's because you're lowering those social inhibitions. So a lot of times um, I did this early on because I was the same way. I knew Spanish a lot better in my head than I'd speak it publicly. I'd hold myself back. So I treated it like um, an art almost. Mm. Like let's say you're an actor and you're stepping into a role or you're picking up an instrument. Like I'm pretty serious throughout the day when I pick up an instrument. I'm a little more technical. I'm criti- criticizing myself. Oh, you screwed that up. Oh, this should be this or that. But after I get a couple beers in me or if I'm sitting around some friends and we're just kind of loosey-goosey and then I'm, I'm just strumming away and improvising – Turns out I'm a lot better. So I, I I kind of equate language to that too. You just have to let yourself go. And then essentially you're creating an entire new identity for yourself, which that part's fun too, because these people don't know you yet. I, 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 a lot of friends of mine here, especially because I went to college down here. So friends that I knew back in the day that didn't speak any English, but now through their work or through their whatever, maybe they've lived in the US for a couple of years and now they're back here in Mexico. We'll meet up after years of seeing each other and then they can speak to me in English all of a sudden. And they always tell me like, man, you're kind of an asshole in English. Like you're much nicer in Spanish, but I don't curse <laughs> and I don't use a lot of slang and I speak at more kind of an academic level. And I realize that I'm a foreigner and I need to be respectful of my host culture. So I kind of approach it from there. Whereas English, someone opens their mouth like, oh, this, oh, this idiot, <laughs> you know, mm. like, fuck this guy. Got it. <laughs> let me, let me, uh, one last question about language. Yep. And then I think we could pretty much wrap up here. Yeah. Um, I always like to ask people this, especially people that uh, are, are multilingual, but do you predict, like, let's say you're just a day to day and you're speaking with a lot of other Spanish speaking people. Are you thinking in Spanish the whole time or do you think in English and then you translate that shit? Um, it depends. So if you ask me to start going right now, uh, then I, I've been speaking English for roughly the last hour. I, I would have to kind of warm it up. I would have to think first. Um, actually, no, you know what? I can flip that switch now. But it, when we're talking about the language, then I'm thinking in English right now. So I'll do those conversions again. But usually after a minute or two in a conversation, English just goes away. Um, and I don't necessarily mm. think in Spanish. I used to try doing that years ago. So what a lot of new language speakers do, they'll think in their host language and then try to translate in real time to the target language. I only do that when I come across things that maybe I don't know. So that's where I go back to those conversion tables. Um, 
So I used a word the other day. What was it? Uh, intercambiabilidad. And, uh, and I was kind of guessing because I had to go through three different conversions with my tables in my head uh, using the Latin root words and converting them to Spanish, which is interchangeability. And the girl I was talking to at the time, I was kind of guessing. Uh, uh, I was like, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard for me to. to, to it's called uh, task switching or code switching. So it's like, mm. bueno, estamos haciendo esa cosa, pero este no no sé si tenga la intercambiabilidad. And I kind of said it slow, and I was guessing like, and then I asked her, I was like, pause. Is that right? She's like, well, and and then I, and I told her, I was like, have you ever heard that word? She said, no. I said, well, technically it's right based on my conversion tables, knowing like the Latin Greek rooted words and how to convert them. And then we looked it up and of course it is, it is a real word. But um, so in those things where I was, I wasn't thinking in English, I was thinking more in the abstract and then trying to assign a language track to it. That's what I do now. But a lot of new speakers will go from uh, host language to target language in real time. And that kind of slows down the process. So it's a good mm. starting point to do that. But once you're able to just step into the new one, it's again, it's like playing instruments. Like, okay, I'm playing guitar, and then I go over to the piano. It's like, well, how would I play this on the, on, on the guitar? Well, musically, yeah, it follows the same rules, but it's a completely different layout of, of the instrument. The way you manage a fretboard is not the same way you're going to build scales on the piano, just from in terms of what you're doing with your fingers, how you're positioned. But it's still music at the end of the day. So I, I, kind, of see, I kind of see it like that. I think in the mm. abstract, I think more in images. And then I try to assign a language track to describe what it is I'm visualizing. And that's something I developed later on. At first, I, did, I went from English to Spanish, then tried to only think in Spanish. But um, like I said, you, you saw me flub it up right there. You have to code switch. Um, mm, got it. And, okay. and that, that takes practice, stepping in from one language to another. And it's and again, it's like you're stepping in and out of different personalities or different versions of yourself. Um, yeah. It's on my Spanish live streams. You'll, you'll see uh, people tell me, oh, you're cute. You're kind of like a kid. I, I get told that all the time on my Spanish live streams. It comes, oh, he's so cute. He's so nice. He's so friendly. Oh, I want him. Oh, he's a big teddy bear. I want to hug him. And on, in these comments, like, oh, that guy's an idiot. That guy's an asshole. He's what a cute. douche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. No, <laughs> no that's, is delayed. Yeah. That, that, that's really fascinating, though, because I can actually, I can picture that in my head, and it, it, it almost sounds exhausting. But, I mean, I, I would imagine just like anything else, if, once you've done it a million times, it's probably like... Like, yeah, it's old hat. I, you know, yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Jared, thank you so much for joining me, man. Thank this you. has been a fun conversation. We didn't get through they half of I had. That's perfect. So uh, let people know uh, what you're working on and uh, where can people find you online? All right. Yeah. So for this type of content, kind of the, the more men self help and development topics, um, I'm just going to keep using my personal name. So Jaron Scott, Instagram is my personal Instagram at Jaron Scott. Um, on there, you can find a link to my branded account. So I used to be men's shrine before I was doing more kind of the red pill manosphere type topics. I'm starting to step away from that because I felt like I was kind of limiting myself to just those topics. And I have a myriad of interests outside of that. And it, I realized that I wasn't really growing much either. So I mentioned that I do the music thing and I do international traveling. I'm doing more investing and more business stuff. So I want to start kind of expanding that stuff. And I figured, well, what's a good way to do that and easier for me to create content too. Okay. I'm a gringo who lives in Mexico. I'll just showcase my lifestyle. So the branded account is actually at gringo guides. Be sure to go to at gringo guides on YouTube. I still have some of the dating topics, the fitness, the lifestyle, all that kind of advice on there. But lately I've been doing some uh, just basic Spanish grammar, one-on-one videos, you have to get the grammar down. It is cumbersome. It is a pain in the ass. They have a bunch of tenses we don't use in English. But once you just get that locked down, 
And then you learn the vocab tricks that I was alluding to earlier. Then you have you can have the language in a few months. I learned the language very quickly. Um, spoke it very proficiently at a high level, very fast because I went to college down here, so I uh, kind of had to. So I'm starting to share more of those topics, uh, giving a glimpse more into my day to day lifestyle, and then I'll bring the dating topics back up every now and then. But uh, really, I think I'd prefer to go on other people's podcasts. And then also, I'm a member of a group called the Men of Now. So that is a handful of content creators that. Uh, They've been friends of mine and a lot of other guys' private groups, both free and paid for groups where we got together like, hey, I want to create a channel. I want to talk about this stuff, but we don't have a reach. We don't have a following. We're not necessarily that big. So that's more of a collaborative space for uh, me and a handful of other guys to get together. So if you're interested in that at all, uh, Instagram at Jaron Scott, if you've ever been wanting to do content, how do you do the thumbnails? When do you post? Uh, so we just kind of combine our creative resources there just to help guys start getting off the ground. We do a lot of cool work behind the paywall as well as we did in some of the other private groups that you guys may know me from in the past around the manosphere. So I've got all sorts of stuff going on, but uh, if you need anything at all, any questions, just, just hit me up at Jaron Scott and I'll, I'll point you in the right direction if I can't help you uh, personally. All right, perfect. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll link to your, your Instagram and your YouTube channel in the description. Jaron, thank you so much for joining me, man. You're welcome back anytime. This was just a, a, a fun conversation, man. I, I loved it. I loved every bit. Of These it. are my favorite <laughs> kinds of conversations. And I, I know we just completely blasted past your points. So we'll have to save them for the next one, but no, I, I, I've, <laughs> I've had guests on and, um, where it's like I I have four pages of notes and they they're mm -hmm. just so succinct with their answers. It's like, well, fuck, dude. All right, let me go to the next question here. And it, it's like, I, I still do that. People... I do that in job interviews too, uh, or if I'm yeah. interviewing a prospective client, like, oh, well, you know, give us a high level overview of your career history, and I just run them through it. It's a four or five minute answer, and like, well, you hit on my points. Like, well, yeah, I read the job posting. I knew exactly yeah. what questions you're going to ask me. I did my research and I put, I hit all the points in one singular answer. So now we can talk about fun stuff. What's it actually like working here? Are we going to ring each other's necks? Are we compatible? Are you a person I want to work for? So that's a, yeah, it's kind of how I approach <laughs> it. And I've noticed on my channel too, if, if I have to stick to the interview script, a lot of times it makes for a bit more dry of a conversation or drier it, conversation. It, it really is. And I, and I just personally like to take a genuine interest in the people I talk to. So sometimes yeah, you you go off on a tangent. I'm I'm actually listening, paying attention, and I'm like, oh, he said this. I've never, I didn't know that about him. Let me ask him about that. So, Eric, mm -hmm. anyway, wait, wait. Thank you so much, man. I'm going to let you have the rest of your evening back. I appreciate. All you. right, it's a pleasure. Yeah, let's do it again soon. And you're you're welcome to my channel anytime too. Or um, let, let let's get you on with the guys. We, we'll we get a panel going and introduce yeah. you to our little collective audience. Yeah, let's do it. All right, perfect. Yeah, I'll, I'll reach out to you behind the scenes. But yeah, th thank you again. Definitely appreciate it. Jaron, thank you so much for joining me, man. You're welcome back anytime. Great conversation. Fascinating. Uh, learning what it's like living in Mexico and dating Mexican chicks. I really found your conversion uh, you know, process for language conversion fascinating. So um, I, I don't know. I think I have a mental block when it comes to learning other languages. But um, maybe that's like everyone else. And if I just, you know think about it the way you described it it probably would be a lot easier on me <laughs> all right guys thanks for joining me that's all i have for this episode please be sure to like subscribe hit those notifications if you haven't done so already thanks to everyone that sounded off in the live chat if you did thanks to everyone that dropped a comment below if you haven't done it already what are you waiting for drop a comment um Follow me on social media. The links are in the description. Get on the email list, list.comeonmanpod.com. I'll send you a bunch of free goodies. Get the book, guys, books.comeonmanpod.com. Uh, it's available on Audible, okay? So use one of your Audible credits if you, if, you, uh, if you have one available. Use it. 
use it. Check out my book. RP Thor did the narration for me. Check out the dating course, guys. If you go to dates.comeonmanpod.com, it's a it's a it's a course that'll teach you how to optimize online dating. Doesn't matter where you live. Yes, it's uh it's geared for for country boys, but it works for city boys too. Okay. And then uh, join the beer club, guys. Beer.comeonmanpod.com. If you join for a year, it's only about eight bucks a month. And then it's a good group of like-minded guys. And then finally, you can work with me one-on-one. If you go to coaching.comeonmanpod.com, go there, check out the video, see if working with me might be right for you. And then if you're still not convinced, book a free call with me. Okay, there's a there's a link at the bottom to, to book uh, an appointment on my calendar. So check that out. That's all I have for this episode, guys. We will see you Wednesday for the live stream. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.